The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars pop culture in the ultimate adventure, life itself. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And this particular episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was trying like to save you. <laughs> you, <could do> <laughs> you both had these really uh, nice deep voices, and I wanted to just match it. I, it was great. It was it was like a beat of delayed reaction. I was like, okay, got to say the audible stuff, get it right. I started speaking, and then I heard <laughs> the way you delivered your name. Was it? And I'm Jennifer Landa. Problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely great. Uh, We should take turns all trying to say our own names like uh, one another. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, today's podcast is brought to you by Jennifer Landa and Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending a book we haven't read but want to because it's by a great author and it is about a character that we all adore, Kira. It is Crimson Climb. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, we have several A's down here in our Q&A episode, but we have another A up and it is an ask. Ken? That's right. The A is up and here it is. Ask. We're asking you to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe if it would please you, if you haven't already. So many of you already have. We're trying to reach 7,500 subscribers as our next little uh, plateau. Uh, we're so, so close. Thank you for those uh, to those who have been following us on the YouTube side as we grow over there. The podcast never going away. We still love broadcasting. Now you just get to see me. As I made a comment on YouTube uh, uh, video this week, uh, the only difference is, is I can't check email as, as much as I used to. You know, <laughs> you can't avoid the work sometimes when you're working. Uh, but I got to concentrate because I don't want to let anyone down uh, any more than I did in the past. Uh, other than that, it's the same old uh, Force Center with our faces, and that works for a lot of people. So thank you for those who followed and subscribe over there if you will. Yeah, I, I don't think things have really changed on the broadcast side, but now if people want to watch on YouTube, they can uh, play the fun game of where's their eyeline? Is it on their notes? Is it on one another? <laughs> Are yes. they? Can can you catch us checking an email or a text? Yeah. Ken just looked down. What's he looking at? Is it his right. notes or a phone? The tension is so high. I'm thinking of cheating. I have this teleprompter on my camera now. I'm thinking of putting my notes on there and just, just staring at it like I'm Tom Brokaw. Just Ooh, doing good. my notes. Doing my notes. I like it. But then yeah. I can't really see you. So sometimes when I'm looking down. It's because I want to see either of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like still. Pretty much? Like yes. that? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm looking up at Jennifer. Now. <laughs> oh, no. Ken. Now I'm looking at Jennifer. All right. That's fun. That's very fun. Uh, we'll always like to talk about our life or Star Wars adventures here, here on kind of our, our Other Center episode. Uh, Ken, what kind of adventures did you have this week? I'll tell you. I had the stereotypical middle-aged white man adventure. I watched a, a great World War II doc. <laughs> and, but this one had Star Wars connections. It's the one on Netflix. I forget the actual title of it. Just came out and it's got like uh, archive footage and it's stuff. Even even if you think you've seen it all about this well documented, uh, uh, troubling part uh, of our history, an important part, it had new stuff. But it was narrated by John Boyega, and nice. he did such a wonderful job. And the documentary is mesmerizing because again, uh, I, I I think even if you've tried to avoid learning about World War II, we all know it to some degree, right? Not only do we know the ending, we know the terms: the Battle of the Bulge, this, that Stalin, Mussolini. All you've, we've all grown up with it, and I think we should grow up with that history. Uh, but it turned it into, um, and I don't mean this like trivially. It, it turned it into a tension-filled, uh, dear God, I hope we win. Doc, it's this mm. thing with this map, and it shows the red of of Nazi Germany expanding, and then when, uh, you know, U.S. and uh, Japan, the Empire of Japan, also, and and um, it just highlights the complicated reasons behind uh, all of all wars, uh, the buildup that gets there, and then and this the battle of good versus evil, which is again always always analyze that, but this one was pretty clear. <laughs> 
in, in terms of the big headlining theme. But it really just – it's not a minute-by-minute, year-by-it. It, it, it takes the biggest things and just uh, drives home um, the, 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 the resistance – uh, that was alive and well in in Poland and Warsaw under in the underground immediately after being taken over goes into the, the the French resistance and and what it meant to be free but also what they did to citizens who they felt were uh, contributors to uh, the fall of France and 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 uh, the uh, problem of of racism inside the U.S. military it's all on display but it's done in a way that you just feel and as a Star Wars fan who believes politics run through Star Wars. And the how we fight and why we fight is is just as important. All that's on display. And then John Boyega, um, who will always be fans of around here, just his uh, his wonderful measured narration. Highly recommend it. And it was a real world history meets my Star Wars love and heart type of <laughs> weekend. That's great, and and I think for those of us who uh, who have loved John Boyega's performance of Finn, whether you agree with every choice that was made about the character, uh, it's also just nice to to see John Boyega doing anything with Disney, yep, yep. even if it's just narrating a doc. Yep, yep, indeed. Yeah. Jennifer, how about you? Uh, life for Star Wars adventures this week. The last Star Wars adventure would be I went to Ikea and I saw that lamp. There's this lamp that is kind of similar to the Death Star. You know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And people have DIY'd it to make it yep, look yep. like the Death Star. <laughs> and I saw it and I was like, I really want to I don't have the time. My husband shut it down. <laughs> no. No more projects. No more Star Wars in our home. So I just kind of went by it and just looked at it wistfully. Um, the only other thing, well, this is not Star Wars related, but I finally finished Leave the World Behind on oh, Netflix. I've, I've I think I mentioned things. this last week. I should have finished it in ideally one or two sittings. We spread it out over the course of like days because we mm-hmm. both get so tired we fall asleep <laughs> or it's just too late, right? Uh, it's a great movie, great performances, interesting ending. That's all I'll say. Mm. But I would love to see Mahershala Ali in a Star Wars. I mean, there's just so many great actors out there. Julia Roberts is also in this. I don't know if I could see her in a Star Wars, but that would be interesting. I love Julia Roberts. I don't think I, I do could too. see her in Star Wars. Yeah, it, it'd, no. be, it'd be too. It'd be too, it's too much like movie yeah. star-ish. Like it'd be like, o- yeah, it'd be like Ocean's 12. Like, oh, yeah. you, you can pretend to be Julia Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. She's always kind of Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm, I'm always mm-hmm. aware of that in the back of my mind. Yeah, Ethan Hawke yeah. is also in that. He's great. Who yeah. wants to be in Star Wars? He just put an interview out. Oh, so that's, his, that's his ultimate goal. I love it. I could see it. I could I, see it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want him to play like a, a, a down-on-his-luck naughty Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do too. And, and I think Julia Roberts should be like a master code breaker, like cameo. No. Like, ah, <laughs> right. Mm. Right. This is we this charming woman in the casino. casino. Exactly. Like, yep, there you go. That's, the <laughs> that's, I think that's pretty right. good. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot of adventures this week, in, including um, organizing my Obi-Wan Kenobi trading cards, which I'm enjoying uh, doing <laughs> very much. Um, uh, and then I, I had a haircut this week. Uh, I always love talking with my stylist. It's she's one of the people that I get to talk to who is a fan of Star Wars, but doesn't look, listen to mm. podcasts, doesn't listen to books. She legitimately likes it, but her husband got her into it, and I've slowly but surely learned all of her husband's very strong opinions, yeah. <laughs> some of which I agree with, and some of which are like, okay, well, and now we must depart uh, paths. Uh, so I was really looking forward to hearing her Ahsoka opinions, and it was it was really great because uh, mm. she was like, I was like, so Ahsoka. And she was like, oh, I loved it. And then she's like, but this bugged me and this bugged me and this bugged me. So it was a little bit of a Star Wars counselor. Like, you love the whole thing, but all these little pieces were uh, were not for you. So that was mm-hmm. really fun. Um, big, uh, not a life adventure, but since you both shared um, things you watched, it felt like one of those kind of uh, life lessons that's in Star Wars you have to learn and relearn. Uh, to like, you know, going back to Obi-Wan Kenobi putting the helmet on Luke. of Like, uh, don't trust your eyes, you know, they can deceive you of falling into assumptions. Um, I have been a big Frank Sinatra fan for like 20 years, a long time, long time. And there are some of his movies that I haven't seen because, um, you know, you you don't get around to them or whatever. Uh, but there was one particular movie that I made assumptions about. Uh, so years like 54, 55, he's in a bunch of movies and some of them are his very best. 
but he's in a movie with Doris Day called Young at Heart. It's called mm. Young at Heart. It's got Doris Day. All the advertisements are Frank and Doris singing. And I, I've always <laughs> been like, Doris Day got sort of painted with the she had, you know, the show that was really like, you know, have 2.5 kids. The, yeah, these are the yeah. rules of being an American in the 50s. And yeah. really like she you'd hear her name sort of referenced as a as a, uh, a an umbrella term for sort of 50s complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a couple Doris Day records. I thought, oh, I mean, she's a great singer and more soulful than than I was led to believe. But I just, I believed the myth of Doris Day. I believed the advertising that Young at Heart was just a, I'm sure it'll be just a fine, nice little romantic comedy. Uh, it is a nice romantic comedy, but it's also like super... Got some incredibly dark, bleak stuff. Um, it is uh, a, a film that was written in the 50s with lots of winks and nods of, we can't say this, but you all pick up what we're laying down, right? <laughs> yeah. um, great stuff. And it was just one of those moments. It was uh, Sinatra's birthday uh, last Tuesday as we're recording. Mm. Um, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I've heard some rumblings that it's uh, different than I thought. And mm. it was one of those like, I might have I might have been an entirely different person if I'd watched this 25 years ago <laughs> and not just sort of made assumptions based on, you know, the cover and of the DVD and Doris Day. So that was a fun, yeah. a mm. great movie and a fun adventure. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you fan just, you know, I, I put so many movies on a shelf that maybe I shouldn't have because I go, yeah, I think I understand them. Yeah. yeah, or even if you're like, I like this band, and but everybody's told me this one album is bad, and you never get around to it, and then you listen to it, yeah. and like, the hell were they talking about? This is yeah. amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of Love stuff that. is fascinating. All right, those are our Life and Star Wars adventures this week. More to come. We're going to jump into our cues. These come to us are from patrons on Patreon. The first one is from Anakin Crespin, real name, Anakin. Amazing. Anakin says, Hello, I know <laughs> he doesn't say it like that. I don't know why I said it so fast. Hello. <laughs> like an annoyed neighbor. Hello. Anakin says it in a friendly way, like, hello. Uh, I know at least one of you is a Doctor Who fan, Joseph. And since it's now on Disney Plus, I was wondering how you would recommend diving in and what to watch. Would you say the new Disney Plus special is accessible to new viewers? And for Jennifer and Ken, have you ever dabbled in the world of Doctor Who? Thanks, and may the force be with you. Uh, we touched on this a little bit uh, on our live stream, um, but I uh, do want to answer Anakin's uh, question and talk about uh, some diving in points. But I'm much more interested in starting uh, with Ken and Jennifer's history or lack of history of the show and kind of to what we were just talking about of, if you don't know it, what has made it to you culturally and yeah. what mm. do you think it is right mm-hmm. so and what is your your relationship in not having a relationship with doctor who yeah and i can't wait to get to you jet here because i think we've talked about this before a few times joseph right if i remember but i love i love kind of catching up with it um this is exactly what you were talking about with the doorstep to your film i have so put <laughs> doctor who on the shelf because of just childhood uh, perspective on weird British show with robots. What is that? Like, and, and <laughs> never took the deep dive though. There's so much, you know, the, the, the little fun Easter egg connections between Dr. Who and star Wars because of the costumes mm-hmm. and sets. Um, mm-hmm. Me being a giant Douglas Adams fan, as you are Joseph and his connection, Dr. Who it's, it's, it's all there. And then when it started to come back, I have a problem it's a problem where I, I I I can get oddly stubborn with things that become too popular, whether it's a popular on a big level or popular in my circle of friends. Case in point, I can't tell you how many times people were like, "Dude, you've got to watch the Battlestar Galactica reboot." This is in the early two thousands. My writing partner so Matt, Key, Matt Key was like, "You've got to watch it." I was like, "No, no, no. I like the I like Lauren Green in the original language." Like, <laughs> and uh, luckily, I I ended up watching it uh, early days of, of when I got Netflix and loved the series. Uh, mm-hmm. And then and you know at the time was working with with Katie Sackoff on the Schmoes No Show, and it was just like it was it was like Starbuck. It was so cool. I, and that's that's my problem. And so I think I have a little of that when when Who started coming back, and and was now in the nerd sphere, and you could go to conventions, and Matt Smith was holding court at parties because mm-hmm. he's the eleventh mm-hmm. Doctor, mm-hmm. like. Uh, yeah. That that during that time, I I so put walls up to it that piece by piece, Joseph, you're gonna have to help me break down. <laughs> I, I I relate to this in lots of ways, but in particular, there was one time uh, where Matt Smith and uh, 
and the showrunner at the time, Stephen Moffat, were having drinks like a table away from me and all my nerd mm-hmm. comedy friends. And uh, everybody's leaving alone for the most part. It was really cool. So I was like, I'm going to I'm going to leave them alone. Uh, they wrapped up. But Matt Smith didn't finish his beer when everybody's being kicked out. And my eyes went to it. And like my wife, Sarah, could just understand. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you moving toward that beer? And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to drink the doctor's <laughs> leftover beer. And she was oh. like, I think we found the line on your fandom. husband. <laughs> he's, he's a human man. You're not going to just drink his leftover beer to try to be closer to him. Like, no, I can take doctor who inside my body. Uh, I might've already had several beers, which has probably contributed to this, uh, this choice I almost made. But yeah, that makes sense. Can, can you have a resistance to being pushed and you also have a, a kind of complicated relationship with genre, right? You have mm-hmm. genre stuff you like, mm-hmm. uh, like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, but you are fans of those things, not necessarily yep. a all of science fiction and fantasy. And I think a lot of people come to Doctor Who, uh, particularly yeah. people people my age in America, uh, Gen X, uh, when you're like, I love Star Wars, I love Star Trek. Is there anything else? Here's Doctor Who under that mm-hmm. same umbrella of science fiction and fantasy, and you're hungry for that. But that's yeah. never the way you were. You're a fan of individual Correct. properties, not the genre. Yeah, to the point where I don't, I don't mean to be a, a, an a hole or a jerk about it. But yeah, they, you know, and, and so there's some good-hearted people. Oh, you like Game of Thrones? You should definitely read this book. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, and I don't mean that that way. But yes, yes, you're right. And, and but again, to that time, and and I know you, we talked about it too, but like. During that time, oh my God, I do love Star Wars. And I did like Star, Star Trek Four, one of my favorite movies to watch in theater, like blah, blah, blah. Um, and what else is out there? The hell is this Doctor Who thing? <laughs> like, like it just, it, it was, the BBC shot on the set. It just, it was like, no, nah, that ain't, no, nah, that, that's not for me. That's not for me. Yep. No, and understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I will give you a personal recommendation of where yeah. you should try out in uh, okay. Doctor Who, and then we're going to move to Jennifer. Uh, the season where Douglas Adams was the, the script writer, uh, which, uh, you know, at the time it was really uh, divided between the producer and then the scriptwriter was would be would uh, r- write or rewrite episodes uh, that were commissioned. So the whole season is very Douglas Adamsy. Mm. Uh, but there's an, uh, one of the most popular episodes of classic Doctor Who called City of Death uh, that is shot uh, in studio, but also on location in Paris. Mm. So not only is yeah. it just like. Uh, a, a lost episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, just that, <laughs> that Douglas Adams style and wit yeah. everywhere, an infamous Doctor Who character named uh, Dugan or Duggan uh, that you would love. But it, it involves the Eiffel Tower as well. And I know this year you went to Paris, so well, Paris, yeah. specifically designed for you. Watch the episode City of Death. Okay, Jennifer, what is your relationship or not relationship with Doctor Who? I love Doctor Who. I'm not. A, I'm not a a mega fan in the sense that I don't know every episode. I haven't watched every episode. I got into it with the ninth doctor, Christopher Mm -hmm. Eccleston, Mm -hmm. loved him. Companion, Billy Piper in that, in that uh, season, there are so many classic episodes, right? The, are you, are you my mummy episode? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, And the lady Cassandra, lady Cassandra. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. I think, is she in that, in that ninth doctor or is she Uh, the 10th? Yes. Uh, She's in, she's in both. She's in both, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So then I transitioned to the 10th Doctor with David Tennant, who also is fantastic. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I really liked Christopher's take on it, Chris's take. But I also love David Tennant as well. Um, and then with Matt Smith, I kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. But it is funny that you mentioned about the cons because I do remember going to cons around that time and him really being a presence and people whispering, Matt Smith, oh my gosh, see him off. Right? And so- mm-hmm. And I felt kind of like left out because I'm like, damn it, I should have kept up. <laughs> I, I have nothing. I have no, no knowledge to draw from. But um, but it was really an exciting time. I remember that time um, of just feeling like, as we were talking about off air, like the geek community felt kind of small. Yeah. yeah and yeah. So it was just, it felt yeah. really, it felt really special. Yeah. Yeah. And Doctor Who in particular, you know, from, from me growing up, it was a, it was a weird thing that uh, in Minneapolis and I think most other places in America, it was on public television and then mm. it was on some weird VHS tapes and that was it. And it was the idea that it would come back after it was uh, the classic series was, was canceled uh, in 89 the idea that it would come back at all was amazing. The idea that Doctor Who, this deeply British thing, 
about a quirky man who will not carry a gun flying around in a police box that needs to be explained to an audience um, that that could become popular in America was a part of that that moment in the early 2010s where, for lack of a better term, like the the nerds burst out of the closet and took over the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> burst out of the locker that yeah. we feel we that our generation felt we had been stuffed in mm-hmm. and they yeah. mm-hmm. came out and like, look at this, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the doctor taking America by storm. How is this even possible? You yeah, know? so true. It's a very specific time. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I felt like, because I always have been a, a very much a lover of British culture and British things. And so it did feel like oh, there's other people like me that like something British. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt really, it felt really unique and definitely, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a moment for the mainstream. Yeah, it was really powerful. And I think, um, well, I'm curious. Uh, so for Matt Smith's tenure, uh, mm-hmm. There's the change to a new doctor, which can always be a bump uh, for people if they're attached to the previous doctor. Uh, but his uh, episodes, the actual plots became much more convoluted because Stephen Moffat really likes writing very twisty things. Uh, the A couple of the seasons were also broken into two different halves. So you really had to like, you had to work hard to keep up with mm-hmm. the actual just plot. Was it the more twisty plots that, that drove you away or was it... Um, adjusting to the new doctor of Matt Smith. I think it was probably adjusting to the, to the new doctor because he was, I don't know if he is younger, but he definitely had like a younger spirit to him. He, he was the youngest actor uh, mm-hmm. ever cast at that point and made me feel absolutely ancient. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of how I felt. And I'm not even remember, I was trying to look up what year that was that Matt Smith came uh, on board. What year 2010. was that? 2010. It was 2010. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I had time. <laughs> I had time. I don't know. I don't know why I fell off. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I want to go back because now mm-hmm. they have the new the new special, right? That's coming mm-hmm. out, or is it already out on Disney Plus? Uh, there are there are three specials on Disney Plus that you can watch right now, and on Christmas Day, the new 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 Doctor starts. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, shoot, can the can I welcome. just jump on board with the new new Doctor or not? Yes. Yes, absolutely. That is the, <laughs> yes. so yeah, to, to answer Anakin's question, I'll try to keep this this short, but I'm going to fail a little bit. I apologize ahead of time about where to jump in. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest and most important answer is this coming Christmas day uh, on Disney plus, there will be a new episode of Dr. Who starring the 15th doctor played by uh, Judy Gatwa. Um, and I think it has been very clearly set up to be, have you never, ever heard of Dr. Who come on in? welcome great i really really think uh that that is the case um so russell t davies is the the showrunner who brought doctor who back in 2005 uh with christopher eccleston uh and and he was a showrunner for many years and then we had stephen moffat and then we had chris chibnall and uh in doctor who and it had some had some ups and downs bbc's uh you know commitment level to it was was waning and then russell t davies kind of came back in of like give me doctor who <laughs> and I will make it Star Wars and MCU. That's what I want to do, and I can do it. And it's not mm. going; it's still going to be British, but it's a different world. People aren't just going to go. I can't understand. They're going to read a bunch of explainers, and they're going to ask their friends, like Anakin is doing, mm-hmm. of where mm-hmm. to jump in. Um, it, and now there's this Disney Plus deal, so it's 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 much more accessible to people in America who have Disney Plus. It had been airing on BBC America with obnoxious commercials. So BBC doesn't have commercials. So the episodes weren't built for commercials. So you would watch in America a new episode and like the doctor would say like the most emotionally heartbreaking thing. And then it would just sort of slam into get a Toyota and and not in a way that was built for it in any way. And it was the most frustrating, annoying way. And now it's premiering at the exact same time for everyone in the world. So you Mm. can watch so it's it's a it's a really uh, attitude of new era come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even watch those three specials. Uh, it was fascinating to me because maybe maybe sometime we can have a um, larger conversation about uh, accessibility of shared universes. Mm-hmm. But I know I felt when watching Ahsoka, I got distracted sometimes because I understand who these characters are, but I feel bad for people who don't. And now I know we've heard from people who said I. Never seen anything and I had no problem. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy for you. I got distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, the specials start with the doctor looking into the camera going, 
here's what you need to know. It's so the opposite of sometimes what Star Wars does or what MCU does asking you to remember. The doctor grabs the audience by the shoulders and goes, here's what you need to know. That's how those specials start. There's a real sense of invitation. Everyone is welcome. Hmm. And who's okay? This is, now I feel like I'm some old lady. My mom. Who who's the doctor in those specials? Is that the new new doctor, or is that another doctor that we had? Well, that I'm is a little doctor. a little complicated. So, um, David Tennant played the tenth doctor. Right. Uh, the The show moved on. Jodie Whittaker was the thirteenth doctor. Jodie Whittaker regenerated. Uh, uh, well, for anybody who doesn't know, that's how Doctor Who works. The doctor regenerates and in retains all of their memories but their personality shifts uh to this new actor this new version of themselves it's a show about renewal a theme about renewal so anyway 13th doctor regenerates into the 14th doctor mm-hmm. who is david Tennant, oh. and the doctor themselves are like why did i turn back into a version of myself uh i have been before i have never done that it is weirding me out i'm upset about it huh mm. So it sounds complicated, but it's not. It, you mm-hmm. start it with with a, a version of the doctor going, why am I who I am? Mm-hmm. Which is easy enough to understand, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, going to college. <laughs> why am I like this? Why, why? What's going on? Yeah. So you can absolutely jump in on the specials. You can jump in on Christmas Day, the new episode, uh, uh, Church on, on Ruby Road. It's called New Doctor, New Companion, everything. Um a couple of other than just quick recommendations. I think if you're at all interested in the classic series, it's a very different thing. You almost have to put like your historian hat on because it mm. was uh, they were filmed largely in studios, sometimes on location. Uh, but Doctor Who, this science fiction spectacular, uh, the special effects were amazing for what was being asked of of this team. This team was basically like, hey, you know, the same way we shoot. Uh, drama shows of like hey we're doing i claudius and it's on a stage and the actors play it out and the camera people film it like it's a live stage play with no audience Mm. we're going to do that except for with science fiction and fantasy we're going to take the smallest budget possible and say it can happen anywhere in space and time here's a tiny budget figure it out and all of these clever people working hard to figure it out are amazing now Mm. from american perspective you coming from star wars going what (laughs) that was a lot of the bump but if you if you put your hat on how did these people figure it out it's incredibly impressive if you want to try out classic series i recommend season 12 it is the fourth doctor's first season fourth doctor is sort of the icon of doctor who tom baker uh with the scarf the hat the jelly babies um his first season's amazing uh for new who I think you can start where Jennifer did, Christopher Eccleston, uh, the Doctor and Rose. Uh, you can just jump right to uh, the beginning of the 10th Doctor. 12th Doctor has a great season that starts out being a reintroduction. Season 10, the episode The Pilot, re-explains what Doctor Who is. It's fascinating because it's like for half a season, it's like, so you've never seen Doctor Who. It's entirely friendly to you. And like about episode six, like, uh, just a lore dump of things that are impossible to understand if you haven't been with it. So that that one's a, 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 a risk. 13th Doctor, <laughs> you can jump in. Uh, final thing, a lot of people recommend individual episodes if you just want to have like a taste and go, is this for me? So a couple of individual episodes I recommend and we'll wrap up. Uh, the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, he's just got a ton of energy and charm and, and he is what made the new series popular mm-hmm. and people love him. Uh, a couple of great episodes from him is one called Blink. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, it introduces yeah, yeah. this great twisty concept. The Doctor isn't even in it that much, but it shows you everything that the show can be. Um, there's a double-parter called uh, Human Nature, Family of Blood, uh, where for complicated reasons, the Doctor has to forget uh, who he is. And it's uh, it's just it's incredibly well done. Um, biased, um, the person who wrote it, Paul Cornell, is a, is a friend of mine that I've made over conventions over the years. Um, there's also an episode called Midnight with David Tennant, which is a great uh, creepy horror kind of uh, slow dread thriller. Um, it's the 11th Doctor for Matt Smith. If you just want to jump in, one of the greatest episodes of Doctor Who uh, is called Vincent and the Doctor. It is about the Doctor uh, meeting up with Vincent Van Gogh, and it's just... Uh, incredibly profound about the problems that Vincent Van Gogh faced in life. And it shows you how 
a, a weird science fiction fantasy show about a time lord who can regenerate, travels around in a in a police box. It's bigger on the inside. Like all that sounds like what? What are you talking about? Uh, it's about it's about the human connection, and this is the Doctor trying to help Vincent Van Gogh, which, as we all know from history, is a big ask. Um, it's also an episode written by Neil Gaiman that people love called The Doctor's Wife. Hmm. And finally, the 12th Doctor, uh, Peter Capaldi, who is uh, uh, oh, right, yeah. my my personal favorite. A lot of people don't like some of his seasons, but everybody likes him. He's just an incredibly deep, complicated, brilliant actor. This is an episode called Listen, which is, I think, a great uh, one-off for the 12th Doctor. All right, I'm done. No. Great. I, I, I've already seen calls for Who Center in our Discord. Um, so I'm open they, to it. I think, yeah. I think Joseph, you're just going to have to do a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, <laughs> there's so many things that we want to do, and it's it's the time consumption of watching yep. something. But at some point, if yes. you want to watch, like, literally, like, pick something like Vincent and the Doctor, and it's one episode, and we all watch it and then do an episode about it, like, that would be really fun because the time commitment level. Or you know. we start with the new, the new, and then that yeah. way it's for, uh, more manageable for, for me. <laughs> yes, true. true. <laughs> Just to start with the new one. <laughs> Time management. All right. Yeah. Thanks for talking. Uh, Doctor Who, uh, I could talk about it uh, for a long time, but we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with a, a very different uh, kind of question. Back in a moment. 
Yeah, it, it, it comes from uh, do you um, do you cheer for the name on the back or the name on the front, which is the laundry, the uniforms. Mm. Uh, so for me as a New York Yankee fan of baseball, I have players that I'm uh, loyal to. So if they were to leave, I might follow them. But I'm a Yankee fan. I root for the Yankee laundry. Yeah. Yeah, but that and, and that that was a great way for me to understand um, a part of it that I didn't understand because uh, so often sports fans are talking about all the statistics and they have a player mm-hmm. of like and they're so upset when a player that they yeah. think their team should draft doesn't draft and it's just right. like it's so analytical and that's such a fun part of it. Like, mm-hmm. why isn't everybody just following the team they feel to be statistically the best? Right, and understanding that it is entirely a, like I am with this team. Good or bad. If they, if they, if, if somebody from the inside tries to destroy this team by picking all the worst people on purpose, <laughs> yeah. I'm still with them. I'm still with my laundry because I'm on yeah. the, the front of the shirt. I'm with the team, not yeah. the players. Yeah. And even when your favorite Wade Boggs leaves the Red Sox and joins the hated Yankees and wins mm-hmm. a title with the Yankees, not the, not the Red Sox. Oh, that, that the Beantown never forgave him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. Jennifer, what is your uh, basic relationship uh, uh, with sports? It's been a part of your life being cheering for teams up to a point. I mean, I like I love the Lakers, uh, but I'm uh, thinking about I like that um, 8984M said live competition, which made me think Project Runway, Top <laughs> Chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same, same. I, I, yeah, I can't really watch sports even with my late my beloved Lakers. I get too emotionally invested and too upset. <laughs> if I see they're down and my husband's like, there's still a lot of time left. I'm like, no, there's not. There's only a minute left, right? I just I can't take it. But with a top chef or a project runway, it's drawn out over the course of several episodes. And there's something about seeing people at the top of their game, no pun intended. These these elite athletes, elite crafters, elite baker chefs, <laughs> me on the sidelines going, don't do that. Go that way. No, you should have done a souffle or whatever, right? I just think that they're, <laughs> they're achieving the impossible, which is what is so, it's thrilling. It's something I'll never be able to do, right? I'll never be able to, to make those kinds of baskets or three-pointers or whatever, but it's like, when they actually score, it's like, I can't even describe it. But that's why I don't watch sports, because I get too upset when they don't hit the three-pointer. <laughs> Do you get that upset? Uh, like, if you're, I mean, I, I think uh, the, the reality shows is a great uh, comparison. It's a little yeah. bit different because you are rooting for the person, right? You have your, right. your mm-hmm. favorite, the scene you want to win Project Runway. Right. Um, Do you get just as upset if if your person fails when you're what watching think- Project Runway? Yes, abs- yes, I do. Uh, uh, yes, I do. I get very upset. I think what is also interesting is when you see anybody in a in a competition, a competitive setting, is yes, skill and talent, but also the focus and the ability to perform under these ex- these stressful mm. situations. Right? Is is like I could talk about the Clippers. My, my I like the Clippers too, and there were so many moments where they had these talented players, but then they just couldn't get out of their own way in their head a Mm. lot of times. And so, and I know I can get in my own way. So seeing these people just thriving under these stressful conditions, like, yes. Or when you see them failing and getting in their own head about things, Mm -hmm. not believing in themselves, it's just like a gut punch where it's like, oh, we can all relate to that. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I think that's, that's an interesting thing about sports and reality shows of, uh, reality shows are heavily edited to craft those narratives, right? Of course, or yes. Like, like mm-hmm. I, write, I write British Bake Off, which people tell me is the lightest possible reality show, and I'm still screaming <laughs> at the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it builds those narratives clearly for all of us of this person's really good at baking, but they're really bad at decorating. So you're like halfway through, like, decorate, decorate the bleep out of that bleeper, please. <laughs> right, um, right. And in sports, I feel like um, sometimes I can act when I just like watch the Super Bowl once a year. Sometimes I can access the narrative that's been built mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. a player, but not always. But I know that's what people who follow this closely. That's a lot of what they're doing. Right. Can there mm-hmm. uh, th- th- that journey is edited and delivered for us on reality television. But Absolutely. in sports, it's built up over like lots of different points. Right. Yeah, but but in in the same regard, once once sports became uh, this mainstay on on broadcast television, right? Once and and, and radio emerges, but <clears throat> excuse me, once we get to the fifties and you can see it, and you don't just read about it in the newspaper, 
Um, I think it, it takes on what you're talking about. I, I look at the Olympics in the Olympic broadcast oh, yes. as the template mm. for – Yes. Great. We're going to watch cross-country skiing. You don't care about cross-country skiing, but do you care about this skier we're going to do a 10-minute profile on or a three-minute yes. profile on whose yes. uh, grandfather lost his uh, legs in, in a mining accident and, and, and his only dream was to ski and now his grandson's taking it off? Now you care. Now you care. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's that's how this all kind of uh, um, really started to grow at leaps and bounds. Now there's a conversation to have about sports culture. And, and and how that trickled down to to it still does cause some problems and who it attracts and the, it, where the gladiators and power wins and all the stuff. And you and I, Joseph, over the years uh, have, I think, had wonderful, fruitful conversations of of the good and bad of it. And, mm-hmm. and on the other side, so you're someone who maybe uh, one of the things you've always said I loved is you're like, I, I might have liked sports. No one took the time to teach me. I, I did not grow up in a sports family, and I did not like sports. I was the nerd beat up uh, on, on my school playground for wearing Return of the Jedi shirt. And then in sixth grade, I started to collect baseball cards. Sixth grade, I had a friend, Sean, who literally sat down on the playground with me and said, let me teach you how to play football. And and mm. let, let me let me t- let me tell you what's going on. It's the greatest thing, you know. And so uh, I've always had my feet in, in both worlds. Uh, and, and and look, we got dark side of Star Wars fandom and everything. It, it's no fingers at one one genre, but mm. um, I think uh, underneath the, this this the stories there they're so human when when they when they're uh, you know prevalent and you can see the stories and root for them as people. Sometimes you learn about sports players and and, and you end up not wanting to root for them because of who they really are. <laughs> uh, looking at you, Kurt Schilling, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's that human story down to. Uh, a field, uh, a broadcast, and and it, I, and 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 you're right. It, reality shows are certainly edited to that way, but um, you know that's that's the appeal. So I've, mm-hmm. I was a huge Survivor fan for years, and I fell for every story they put forth. You know, <laughs> like, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, appealing to the the just sort of human narrative, and also the narrative of mm-hmm. the team. Right there, yeah. the if you've been with them forever and they're down on their luck and nobody thinks they can do it, but they do like, I mean, that's almost every sports movie, right? Is this, yeah. um, one of my greatest, uh, uh, enjoyment of sport ever is watching the TV show Friday night lights, which just mm-hmm. delivered all of that to me of who yeah. these characters are, what they want, what they need, how much people don't believe in them and getting yeah. in their heads, all the, all that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really powerful, but I also just want to talk about uh, a little bit uh, to 8984M's question of um, that explains why we're why we're drawn in and want to watch mm-hmm. sports. Um, but 8984M asks why it feels so good and so bad. Why do we get so invested? I think the narrative is part of that. But I have, like Jennifer, I, I have had... I, I make a point of watching the Super Bowl because I feel like it's kind of just checking in with our culture from mm-hmm. from the sport to the actual um, commercials to what everybody's saying. Time period. And like, and I'll start off kind of like flipping about like, I haven't been any paying any attention, so I don't got any baggage. And, you know, it's it's a tired joke, but we're like, I, I like dolphins. I like the animals. So I'll root, I'll root for that team. And with having none of this narrative backstory, none of it at all, mm-hmm. I will get caught up in it and suddenly be, you know, yelling at a bad play mm-hmm. without any of the narrative just with that extremely simple human i picked this one and now yeah. i'm furious if anything gets in their way yeah. what do you think that like level of you don't even need the narrative that almost animal like there's a turtle race and i picked that one i know nothing about these turtles i yeah. just picked one and now i'm dead set that mine needs to win what is that about to quote what do you think ken to quote Sir Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones, there's a beast in every man and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. <laughs> I think that's just the mm. dark side of our human nature. Uh, mm-hmm. Winning does feel good. Uh, losing feels bad. And excitement and joy and the connection. Then add in what we talked about here, the the, the details. And, and that's that does, you know, look, as a Miami Dolphin fan, um, in the early 90s in high school, I was a real demonstrative football fan to myself. I was always, I always watch games with myself. Like I tell the story. It's 100% true. Dolphins lost a game Monday night football late in the fourth quarter, the Buffalo bills on a fumble. And I was keeping stats on a piece of paper and I got so mad. I ripped the stats and I ate them. And I was like, and 
1995, the Yankees finally get to the playoffs again. My guy, Don Mattingly, can maybe go his back. He couldn't move. He couldn't swing anymore. Maybe we finally – he had never played in the postseason. He's a big home run. The, the, the Mariners beat us in game five of the, of this, of, of, of the playoff series on a, on a bottom of the 13th inning, whatever it was. Got so mad I threw, I threw a, um, a cup through a window. And that was the moment I was like, I can't – this is not right, right? This hmm. is not right. And so now I'm, I have a Jedi-like quack on. <laughs> I've come back to root for the Dolphins. They just got embarrassed on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. Blew a game with four minutes to a team that's less, less than. And I, I, just, I just went zen. This is a valuable lesson. <laughs> and I will learn. I, I just think it goes to the human nature thing. I don't have any super intelligent, uh, insightful answer. We just – it all pulls us in. We all have that dark side. And I think it taps into it. <laughs> I think it's mm-hmm. the desire to win. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got some thoughts, but I, I, I want to pitch to Jennifer. First off, I almost drank Matt Smith's beer, and Ken ate his own piece of paper. Yep. Jennifer, yep. what weird things have you almost <laughs> or ate? Oh, I don't know, but I don't like losing. I I, <laughs> I, uh, I think I've shared this before. I was playing Monopoly with my family, and I, I lost, and I threw the board and the pieces like a like a New Jersey housewife. You flipped the table. I flipped. I literally flipped the board. Oh I, I couldn't lift the table. I flipped the board. My family never That's wanted a, to play with me again. Uh, so That's I'm amazing. a sore loser. I do think from a psychological standpoint, it's like a dopamine hit when you yeah. win. I think it's like, that's why, you know, gambling is such an issue. It's like getting yeah. that rush. Hit me, hit me. I want to win again. Or when mm-hmm. you, when your team does win, you're chasing that high again. And it can be taken to such an extreme level where people have, you know, problems with it. So I think that that's, that's also why I know that I have that tendency. Mm-hmm. So I can't, <laughs> I can't really, I can't play games. I can't play sports. The only thing I watch <laughs> is like Project Runway and, and the Lakers. Jen, do, do you, do you, uh, and if, if, if this is turning too much into uh, <laughs> therapy, therapy center, you, you do not have to answer. <laughs> Uh, but do you do you have uh, feelings about where where that came from? Like, b- because for me, like when I get that way, it is it, it's triggered by specific incidents where I felt losing made me feel mocked, made me feel mm-hmm. less than. And and for me, when I get mad about losing, it's that that absolute fear of they're going to laugh at me, they're going to make me feel less than. And my teeth mm-hmm. come out, and the rage comes out, and I'm going to prove I'm not less than. Mm-hmm. It, so it's like really tied to triggering events Mm. do you feel the same way or do you just feel like no i'm just i really want to be good at monopoly (laughs) yeah probably like because i'm used to being good at things so when i'm not good at things Mm. it's very frustrating and that could come to you know a variety of things me not understanding the importance of hard work as opposed to talent Mm. believing that talent was everything as opposed to anybody can can do something through hard work. Mm. But I do think that also there's just something like in my brain that's just kind of the way that I'm wired. And, mm-hmm. and I think that some people just have maybe more of a tendency to feel that way. I don't know. And then you just kind of have to learn in your life how to not be a sore loser. It's okay <laughs> to lose. But maybe there is something like some sort of neurodivergent thing that's going on in there. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It, it is, it's complicated. And yeah, I, I, the, for the most part, I can uh, stay out of that mindset. But then sometimes there are people who are competitive and I just have to be like, I, I'm not playing a game with you because you are going to set me off and I don't want to have that problem. And other people yeah. I can play with, no problem. Um, so, uh, about the, you know, why it feels so good when we win and so bad when we lose, I think, Ken, you're absolutely right. It is the narrative. It is just human instinct. It is the Jennifer, the dopamine hit. Um, a a thing that I think about a lot, especially as I, as I get older is I think it's natural in humans, good, bad, or otherwise that we have this sort of cycle of, uh, of wanting and achieving hunger and satiation, um, that how good something tastes feels is connected to how long and hard we've been pining for it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best meals I ever had was a, uh, a terrible McDonald's burger, uh, undercooked in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Cause I'd been on a Greyhound bus with no food for 16 hours. <laughs> and that half done quarter pounder is one of the best dining experiences I've ever yeah. had because it was carnal mm-hmm. after waiting for the satiation. 
and it's a thing I think about a lot in our adult lives that as we are teens and young adults, we want all these things. We, we want our first relationship or our first car, our first apartment, our first job because of the nature of things. And then a lot of life can lead us into just being like, and now settle down. You're an adult. You've got your job. You've got your kids. You're in these patterns where the cycles of wanting and achieving hunger and satiation kind of slow down or, or risk disappearing entirely. Mm. And I feel like if you're in a, not that adults are the only ones who like sports, but mm. I think that there can, if you feel at all stuck or stagnating in your life where you don't have those cycles of longing that make the getting feel even more satisfying, that sports is a great way to just put all of that. Like mm. we don't think about like, we don't mm-hmm. think it's great to want things, but mm-hmm. it really can be great to want things. And, uh, I, you know, putting myself in the shoes of a sports person who says, I have committed to this team and I have waited 17 years for them to win. That to me kind of helps explain the explosion of how powerful that need is because you've been giving yourself years and years and years Mm-hmm. of want and extending that cycle between the hunger and the satiation and equally the fury. We got so close this time and I was mm-hmm. finally going to get a thing I've been pining for, for 17 years. Yeah. Um, Ken, how do you feel about this? Is Am I uh, being an absolute weirdo? Nope, or? nope, nope. nope. You're, you, you're, you're digging deep in some wonderful themes there uh, that, that and, and I'm not saying it's a replacement for, you know, your dull life now feels better if the dolphins win, but, but, um, <laughs> You're hitting on some important things of 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 it's a it's an arena to to uh, scratch that itch to to get to feel like you win uh, um, to feel like you're justified uh, that the journey was mm-hmm. worth it uh, and and that's hard. I always would argue that sports and competition in general take it out of sports competition uh, it, it's a refiner's fire right but we we concentrate on the end result more than the journey because that's just natural that's the glory that's the scoreboard. Uh, and then uh, in case of one for me, I, I think this is kind of in the arena you're talking about. 1995, the Yankees, who had won, you know, best team in baseball for 40, 50 years. They had a very dark period. Uh, they emerge from the late 80s into the 90s. They get so close in 95. Donnie, Donnie baseball retires. A new team, new generation kind of is built around new players. They win the World Series in 1996. Um, Joe Torre, his brother dying of cancer. I think I ended up uh, fighting through it at that time. Frank Torre. Uh, Joe Torre has never won. He's the manager. He's winning. The Yankees haven't won in, in, in 15 years or so. They win. The final outs uh, uh, caught by Charlie Hayes. I ball. I cry. I'm in my, I'm 1996 and I'm like, I, I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> the Yankees then go on a period of time where they're the most dominant team in baseball for the next five, six years. The last series they won in 2000, I like turned off the TV and was like, what's for dinner? Like the, 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 I had been satiated. <laughs> And I needed, mm-hmm. I needed to find something else. And they win in 09. They haven't won a lot. But I, I don't, the passion for the Yankees is not there for me as much as it was from 96 to as it's. So I think that speaks to what you're saying. So yeah. I started concentrating on other areas of life because I was like, cool, that was fun. That journey was over. I got to experience it. Yeah. Jennifer, what do you think, think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there's something about an us versus them, which goes back to like our ancestors with the different mm-hmm. tribes moving together, right? Like mm-hmm. we are all we we won. We won as a group, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing like when you go in a stadium and you're rooting for the the not the home team, right? Mm-hmm. And you suddenly feel like, oh shoot. Or if you have no allegiance to either team and you're in the section with a bunch of whatever fans and you're like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a part of this too, because God forbid you actually say you're not right. (laughs) Sports brings people together. Are you, are you a Mets fan? Are you a, you know, Lakers fan? Yes. It's like that instant camaraderie. Mm -hmm. I never have with anyone because I have no allegiance except for the Lakers. Um, So it's just, it's like the shorthand and a way to be like, you're okay. Cause you mm-hmm. like, you like the same sports team as me. You're all mm-hmm. right. And it's just, it's really fascinating to see how angry people get with each other 
in those uh, stadiums and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, especially level. when there's alcohol and things involved, levels, right? Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. people take it so personally. Yeah, you're reminding me of uh, a like fun and terrifying experience I had uh, several years back going to uh, Medieval Times. I don't know if Ooh. either of you have been to yes. Medieval yes. Times. Competitive uh, dinner. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're, it's it's the fun, like you know, renaissancey. Uh, verily, my sir, may I have your credit card, please, please, Grandmaster? I need you to use the chip. I mean, it is the the funny contrast, but yeah, if, for people who don't know it, you like you know, the shtick is that you're you are in the stands at a at a medieval tournament. There's a king and the queen. There's a light narrative. You're then you watch actual impressive like people shooting bows while riding horses and actual falconry, and it's like it's cool. But to juice it, like you're saying, Jennifer, they hand out uh, flags to the different sections mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you are you're, you know, nominally, whatever it is, a, a family from this part of town or whatever. But it's you've just been handed flags, colored flags, and you're sitting with strangers in some of the fury and the anger, the <laughs> hatred that the yellow flag people had for the blue flag flag people with no, no substantive narrative. It's not, it's not like what we were talking about earlier where like they told this great story of how the blue flag people had wronged the yellow. It wasn't narrative. It was just any, the, yeah. the smallest thing mm-hmm. given the permission to unleash the us versus them beast. Mm-hmm. It was funny and absolutely terrifying yeah. how quickly people can revert to the dangerous simplicity of us versus them for no reason, just any reason to be different. Yep. And when you yep. have a, a leader to stir that up and turn it into votes. Yep. Yeah. 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 If you want to understand authoritarianism, go to medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> Death Watch how, quickly, how quickly the flag people uh, turn on one another. Um, yeah. Wrap up a conversation. I, interested to bring it back to uh art and to star wars and that which we talk about a lot i think um that cycle of hunger and satiation i think is also what is going on with uh mcu and, and star wars and the decisions about how much to put out mm-hmm. is your great story ken about weeping because it's finally back or to the yankees finally won that was the force awakens and mm-hmm. for a lot of people mm-hmm. great now there's going to be skeleton crew jude law's going to run around with some kids I've been satiated, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's everyone by any means, especially a lot of people who, who mm-hmm. listen or watch Force Center. We're all in. We're It's been too long. Ahsoka's been off the air for a month and a half. What? Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Satiate me. Mm-hmm. For the movie, as a lot of people have finished the cycle. But I think that, that being so excited for it because we've waited a while is what's going on behind the scenes with Bob Iger deciding right now what, how much Marvel, how much Star Wars to release is about that hunger satiation cycle mm-hmm. uh what do you think about that ken i i think it's it's kind of it's look there, there was a i was the it's only been a month give me a new series person uh not too long ago and the the strikes and all the stuff we talked about before when ahsoka started i had some of that like yeah the yankees keep winning <laughs> like i just had this like I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of on to other things right now. And uh, that's changed. I've reconnected, blah, blah, blah. But there, there's some truth to that. It's just human nature. It's just human nature. And that's why I am glad that they, for whatever reasons, Kathleen Kennedy's mistakes, Bob Iger's mistakes, Chappick's mistakes, the fact that there hasn't been a movie in, in theater since 2019 is actually something I enjoy right now. Because when it mm-hmm. does happen again, those tears might be back. Yep. And, and the building. it's just human nature. And, and I think you can lean too hard into something, right? You could, you could, I get it. It's the, this is working money, 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 fans, 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 conventions, conventions, conventions. And, and then that could be how it starts to crumble. It's a fine line. I, uh, it's, it's not an easy decision any way around, but yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think we need to rebuild the team, as I've heard in sports, right? I just feel like for a long time, coming from the original trilogy days, it felt like we had kind of formed our own team of just like carrying the Star Wars torch through, you Mm -hmm. know, legends and and whatnot. And now it just feels like, yeah, like you're saying, Ken, we've we've been winning, we've been winning, and and I kind of checked out a little bit too. We're going to rebuild the team. I've just, yeah. 
you know, and and uh, it's going to be all right. Whole, we're going to take a little break. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I sorry, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, I was no, go, stepping go on you, yeah, Jen. Yeah. Uh, but you you mentioned up top we're talking about the the explosion of nerd culture. Uh, I would say oh nine oh ten to twenty uh, sixteen seventeen range mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. Um, palpable, and that's that's my run. I did I never stepped foot in San Diego Comic Con to twenty thirteen. I. Look at it then versus now. Take strikes out of it and MCU malaise. Take all that out of it. It is exactly what you described earlier, Joseph. We all would be at these parties filling Petco Stadium, hundreds upon hundreds of us. Yeah. I, I, would, I was drunkenly accosting Dave Filoni. In a good way, <laughs> right? Me and Matt Key cornered him. Matt Key, 6'5", looking across at Rory McCann, the Hound, 6'6", six, six, and they were drunkenly happy. And I'm thinking, we're talking to the Hound. Oh, my God. Yeah. We had all felt as though we won. Go to yes. Comic-Con yes. now. Yes. We're all feeling as though we're exhausted. It's just the reality of it. Yeah, and for me, it isn't. It isn't just Star Wars. It's it's a wonderful thing. But mm-hmm. like a- around eighty nine, ninety, everything I loved was gone. Uh, you know, Star Wars was, yeah. was basically gone. gone. Doctor yeah. Who was canceled. Uh, Guns and Roses uh, was breaking up. <laughs> uh, Twin Twin Peaks was canceled. Um, all of it. Everything I ever pined for for years and years and years. Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker again. I've seen Axel and Slash and Duff play together three times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Twin Peaks came back. This endless list of it isn't just Star Wars. It's years and years and years of hunger. I've seen every superhero, with the exception of Dazzler, I can imagine on screen. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. In that, in this that that feeling of this is impossible. I'm being fed a meal I was told was impossible. Right is diminishing and now i need something different i need yeah. to hunger in a different way to yes. feel that same sort of joy of satiation and yeah. for me i think it's what we talk about it's the ideas <laughs> it's what hasn't been done yes. before mm. this is why it's like mm. i want to mm. dig down deep into thrawn not because it's like mm-hmm. i need all the answers about the chiss it's because i haven't seen that before mm-hmm. i haven't right. seen a villain who wants the empire to succeed because he believes these things and because he's going to hand the galaxy to his people i haven't seen that and i want to so that's mm-hmm. what's leading to different hungers is is being satiated in the just it's impossible it'll never happen yeah. everything's happened yeah mm-hmm. this this mm-hmm. is yeah uh, yeah the the nerds looked across the land and wept for there was nothing left to conquer is how we kind of felt <laughs> at one point and, and yeah and and there was a a friend of mine once said and i'm sure this came from some other bumper sticker or something was like you know the key to a long relationship is about every five to ten years you have to re-fall in love with the person you're with right that's that's mm-hmm. this thing and um uh, what you're saying, Joseph, is is my my excitement for Star Wars is different now because I'm uh, and and part of it was the transition of how Force Center always digging into themes, but 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 how it affected my life and why Star Wars means so much to me isn't the cool things I'm seeing; it's the the important things I'm feeling. And now, as I've uh, taken a dive into history in a way I've never done, and and political connections and Star Wars being political, you know, that's what engages me now. And so it's been fun to find a new. A love inside something I'm in love with permanently. And that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we, we do try to caveat and be aware. I think this is a conversation that is definitely affected by our age. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, right. the way yep. nerd culture was treated and the things we pine for. And I do always yeah. want to reflect, like, you know, yep. I, I see that cycle of hunger and satiation from people who were eight when they first met Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. Yep. And to see her and Hayden in their Clone Wars outfits together with actual Rex. They're getting that. I've been hungering for this since 2008 and I'm being satiated in in a way, you Mm -hmm. know, so I think it is generational as well as just how many episodes. So I want to shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Let's change. (laughs) Yeah. No, great point. And and something we're always here for the, the different perspectives, experiences and journeys is another thing that, that helped me fall in love with Star Wars again. And yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Any uh, any final thoughts on on the, this great question from eighty nine eighty four M? The only thing for me, Jen, uh, is off. Uh, did you watch Winning Time? Oh n- wait, Winning? No, I have not. No, I need to watch it. I yeah, I saw the promo for it. You know, another reason to hate David Zaslav uh, for canceling <gasps> that show after two years. If you're a Laker fan. It's it's the it's one of the best television shows I've ever watched, and you want to get into the stories really? of the Showtime Lakers. It's based on Jeff Probin's book. You want to talk about narratives? That's that's a story for you. Off air, we'll talk mm-hmm. about. It. Put the, okay, put, okay. Put the kids to bed and yeah, watch yeah. Winning Time. Okay, <laughs> good, good. 
So in summation, as Coach Taylor says, clear hearts, full eyes. No, other way around. (laughs) Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Yep. Uh, Anyway. That is my touchstone there. Uh, Ken, you want to take us home? I do, I do. You can follow us on Twitter and Threads and Hive Social. I mean, we're not really on Hive Social, but we are. Uh, Four Center Pod <laughs> is the place to do that or the, the handle for that. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram. And we are also on YouTube as we set up top podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Help us in our competition to be the best podcast of all time. Just like, review, <laughs> listen uh, there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center page. Patreon.com slash Forcen is where you can support us directly. Follow me at Catnapsock, especially if you want to treat tweet things to me about my Dolphins as they have tough three games left in this season. All right, it's going to be tough. I'll be angry, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, you can uh, follow me. Uh, go, go to my website, Catnapsock.com, for information on shows, music, the Moon Angels album is out, and more. Uh, Jen, where can they find you or tweet you to watch Winning Time? That's right. You can follow me on X. Instagram or YouTube at Jennifer Landa or TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. Joseph, I watched the Super Bowl with you and you were having fun and I uh, appreciated that day. So we'll do it again. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love watching the Super Bowl and I think I would probably make even more time for sports, uh, you know, but that whole time thing. I have Obi-Wan Kenobi trading cards to organize. Right. And I can't multitask. That takes my whole focus. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find me on all the social media, Blue Sky and Instagram in particular, where I'm trying to spend the most time. I'm also on threads. Uh, we'll see who wins the social media wars and then who stars in the shows about it in about five years. <laughs> so uh, but find me at Joseph Scrimshaw. If you want to check out any of my uh, comedy albums, upcoming shows, my short films, all that information is on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. In particular, if you're interested in a comedy album, I have a bunch on Bandcamp. Uh, Buying those will help me make more short films because all that money goes to my production company. That is it. We have Aid the Cues. Oh,